0: The Teach Middle East podcast is brought to you by SchoolFinder.ae. SchoolFinder.ae is a comprehensive schools directory serving the United Arab Emirates. Is your school a member? Go to SchoolFinder.ae to find out more. Now, enjoy this episode. This episode of the Teach Middle East podcast, we are talking all things STEM with Suzanne Soraya from Explore Learning. We discuss why STEM education is so important, especially at this time. We talk about diversity in STEM, and most importantly, we discuss the upcoming STEM MENA conference, which is due to take place online on March 16th and 17th. This episode is not to be missed. Let's dive in. You are listening to the Teach Middle East podcast, connecting, developing, and empowering educators. On today's podcast, I'm talking to Susan Soraya from Explore Learning, and we're discussing all things STEM. Hi, Susan. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Uh, Hi, Lisa. It's great to see you and speak with you today.
0: Nice. So I wanted to bring our listeners up today. If you don't know Suzanne, Suzanne represents Explore Learning. And Explore Learning is very much a massive company based out of the United States. We're going to put a lot more details about the company in the show notes so you can find out what they do and get in touch with them should you need anything related to STEM. Now, what is STEM, Suzanne? Why is STEM so important right now?
1: I'm sure everyone has heard about that word, STEM, STEAM, STREAM. We've heard all kinds of different things about STEM. STEM at its base is the idea of educating students in four specific disciplines, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, and doing so in an interdisciplinary and applied approach. So rather than teach, each of the four disciplines as a separate and discrete subject, what STEM does is it integrates them in a very cohesive learning paradigm based on real-world applications. That's basically the definition for STEM, if you'd
0: like. Yeah, I just went basic with it because I know that All of our listeners probably already know what STEM is. They've worked with it in their school. And a lot of the teachers that listen to this podcast are actually people who are enthusiastic about STEM. What do you think effective STEM education should look like? I mean, you've gone all around the world. You've seen lots of practice in different places. What does effective STEM education look like?
1: So effective STEM education is going to be education that's going to foster students' creativity, allow them to build resilience, education that's going to encourage experimentation, teamwork, using of tech, of course. It's going to help students develop those critical thinking approaches and problem solving, help students adapt. So it's going to help students really improve their mindset into a growth mindset. Also, effective STEM education has to take into consideration equity in the classroom, inclusivity, personalization of ideas, so that each student can reach those goals, no matter what his initial background or knowledge is in a particular area. And having students be able to connect to what they're learning. I don't know about you, but I know I've heard so many students say, why are we learning this? Why am I hearing this uh, math problem? So instead of just showing the math problem, set, for example, of talking about sugars, what sugars are in chemistry or biology, relating it to the food that they use and where you find sugars and which foods. And having an activity around that will make it a little bit more effective than just presenting the topics individually or on a kind of an automated kind of science system. So allowing students to develop skills beyond the content, skills like Growth mindset, like being able to do experimentation, not being able to fear failure, learning that you can learn from failure. Those are all skills that if done properly, STEM will be able to promote them.
0: Fabulous. I actually agree with you. I mean, what do you think of the notion that every teacher is a STEM teacher?
1: Absolutely. Every teacher has to be a STEM teacher, has to understand and link what they're learning to everything around them. So if you happen to be living in Dubai or Abu Dhabi, then you have to link anything in terms of climate change to what's happening in your own area. That is quite different than what climate change, for example, is happening in China or in the United States or in Europe, for that matter. So, but linking it to the environment you're in, being aware of what's happening in your own environment, what stories or what, if you want, uh, situations are happening in your environment, linking that to your teaching, whether you're teaching even English, you know, relating that and having that interdisciplinary uh, approach to teaching is what's going to make your teaching effective and keeping your students highly engaged.
0: I love that, you know, because sometimes you hear teachers say, oh, I'm not a STEM teacher. I'm a languages teacher. I'm a this or that teacher. But I think every teacher is a STEM teacher. And I think the fact that if we can have this integrated approach to the delivery of STEM in the school, then it's going to make it a lot more accessible to the students. There's a lot of talk about STEM. Is it STEM? Is it STEAM? What is it? Is it STEM, STEAM or STREAM? What is it, really?
1: It is however you see it. So STEM is at this what we discussed, working in with the four areas of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. But if you add the arts or you add English language skills, that's absolutely fantastic. Imagine not only talking about a particular concept, but being able to paint it, write a piece of poetry about it, write a song. Or if you're, let's say, teaching about dinosaurs, bringing activities, recreating the environment through whatever project that you have in the classroom where dinosaurs exist by reading also in your English class about them. So to have a truly STEM education, an effective one, your schools, your teachers need to work together and tell each other, work in a collaborative manner so that whatever you're doing in English class is enhanced by what you're doing in science and in mathematics and even using technology appropriately. So even bringing your computer teachers and your computer science teachers to be involved in what you're doing. So working collaboratively and modeling that to your students that is going to be very effective for you in your classroom
0: yeah i like that what are some of the barriers because a lot of teachers seem to be so scared of touching that whole stem area what are some of the barriers what's causing that
1: so some of the barriers of course is not understanding what stem is and not uh, understanding the importance. One of the skills that if you're able to approach from a blended learning uh, standpoint you're going to be a little bit more effective. It it is about thinking what can I do today? It doesn't have to be very complex. A STEM lesson doesn't have to be four months long. It can be as simple as a five minutes integration of concept together. Very quick lesson. You're starting early. I think we wait too long to integrate STEM in the curriculum. The earlier you start, the earlier you're going to have those um, very specific results. So if you're trying to create a particularly successful STEM education, you don't have to be using something very complex. You have to look at what resources you have in the classroom or in the school you have to think about supporting really uh, your experiential learning with hands-on activities. For example, using simulations where the work is already done for you. Think more about the outcome building skills like creativity, communication, collaboration, critical thinking. Once you start doing these things in small bits and pieces, you'll see how quickly you can develop a STEM classroom and it'll be part of your everyday life. There's a lot of robust professional development available everywhere around the world. I know that we're with Stamina, for example, we're going to be offering some of that as well. It doesn't matter what curriculum you follow, I want to remind you, you have to go beyond the curriculum and think about where your students lie. Understanding that starting by personalizing your teaching and learning in order to be successful, but you have to start super small and then build on it.
0: That's awesome because one of the biggest things I hear teachers talk about is we don't have the resources. We don't have the resources, but I feel like you can start a STEM classroom with what you use every day. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Absolutely. There are quite a few activities you can find everywhere where really you're starting very small, as simple as, you know, bringing food to the classroom like a, what do you eat and talking about what these food contains what do you think they're made of so using something that lies around the classroom if you ever have a chance on our blog for explore learning we have something called gizmos to go which are activities that you can do there are some activities that you can just run with stuff that you find in your kitchen everybody has some vinegar, everybody has some soda bicarbonate, things like that, that maybe a candle. And there are some activities you can run, which are some activities that quickly can be used in order to show students what can be done. And once you do that, you become more comfortable. It's like riding a bike. The first time it's going to be difficult, but as soon as you start doing it, you see that it's a skill that not only you develop for your class, but it's skills that you develop for a lifetime. And that's the beauty of
0: STEM. And I like the fact that you can step away from the screen and go and be hands-on with the STEM activities, and it gives students this opportunity to actually experiment and explore and discover. Do you know that a lot of students would prefer to do that than to do work, or maybe to be doing, you know, the more written type of things. I find that students love that and they gravitate to that a lot more, right?
1: Absolutely. You have to have a proper blended experience in your classroom. You cannot always be in online. You cannot always be in the classroom teaching on the board. You cannot always be in the book. Having a proper blended approach is the best way to have your students keep engaged Learn the content, learn skills that they can then bring to new situations as they see them in life. And then they can connect with the content and feel like they're empowered to learn on their own. In schools, what we do is we light the fire. If we cannot light that fire, we cannot have those students that are engaged in learning for the rest of their life. Lifelong learners are not born. They're made by every little thing we do in the classroom. I love I that. That's the job of teachers. That's why yeah. the teaching realm is so important and so key because teachers light the fire, but they can also extinguish it. So <laughs> right? just make sure they're always lighting it.
0: Yeah, that's a very, very good point. Talking about lighting the fire... Mm-hmm. Typically, there's been a lot of emphasis on getting girls into STEM. What's causing girls not to take on STEM careers and to pursue STEM subjects? What's causing that?
1: It starts with a mindset. Growing up, my background is in physics. So growing up in classrooms myself, we expect boys to be good in math. There's something of cultural ideas that, oh, boys are good in math. Girls are not good in math. Girls wear pink. Boys wear blue. These are all ideas that we have. And in general, we know that those are wrong ideas. It's just that we're used to them. So teachers in the classroom continue without being even aware, having higher expectations out of, let's say, boys in math than girls and so we often see it in the parent-teacher meetings where they're like it's okay I wasn't good in math so my daughter is not going to be good in math. We see that all the time so it's a really a growth mindset that we need to change. It's a growth mindset that we change also in the parents as much as in some teachers. I think even parents expectations are that their son is going to do math and their daughter is going to be in art. You know like we see that everywhere everywhere I've traveled around the world. Now, the latest data actually shows that girls are succeeding better overall in math and science. And if we look back historically, girls are better in math, girls are able to do math. It's just that something in culture changed over the years. And now we see ourselves forced to develop these specific programs to bring back girls into the science and STEM areas. Because there's also, as I said, this is preconceived ideas of who does what and of roles, gender roles. This is changing. I hope that every teacher out there is just aware, self-aware, and making sure they're, they're using the right language when working with students. And giving each and everyone the same opportunities to learn and to succeed.
0: Yeah. Do you know what? Recently, the Mars probe that's left from the United Arab Emirates, the team that worked on it, they were a majority female team. And I find that so heartening. A lot of progress has been made to get girls and women into careers in STEM. And I think we're going in the right direction. We are proud in this region for the turn that things have taken in a positive way with women and girls in tech. And I think if we are conscious as educators, this trend is going to continue and it's only going to get better. So that's going to lead me nicely into Why this region, in particular the MENA region, why we're going to be focusing our attention on STEM MENA, the STEM MENA conference. So this idea for our listeners, let me brief you. This idea came from Suzanne herself. She's an advocate of the movement of STEM globally. And so she came with the idea of having a STEM MENA conference, which focuses on getting educators to rethink how STEM is being delivered in the classroom, whether they are distance learning, hybrid learning, or in-person learning and or teaching. And so we are putting this event on on March 16th and 17th. So you have Suzanne to thank for coming alongside Teach Middle East magazine to launch this event. So why STEM MENA? Why are you so passionate about it? So I
1: travel a lot around the world and I have to say that what I've seen happening in the MENA region and in UAE in particular has always been fascinating to me. Uh, the interest that, that parents have in educating their children to the best of their abilities, the efforts that different ministries, schools, educators run along the entire regions have put in the best possible education to give the best opportunities. It's something that we rarely see so concentrated anywhere else in the world. And I think this is where there's a thirst for what else can I do to help my students? What else can I do to improve education? There aren't many places in the world like in that region in particular. So it made sense that we develop possibilities, new possibilities for teachers, bringing in ideas that are easily, you know, used in the classroom the next day. So if you attend on March 16, March 17, you'll be able to use those ideas. I attend a lot of events, a lot of conferences where we talk about the why, which is fantastic, At the how, how do I do this? How can I go tomorrow and be an effective STEM teacher? That's what we'd like to start with this event. And we're hoping that the conversation doesn't end on March 17th. It continues so that we have a group of STEM learners and STEM teachers that continue to exchange ideas, create this community that is so unique to the region, that's going to bring in everything that's new, everything that works for certain groups of people, So we can have also personalized STEM activities or STEM teaching and learning that happens based on whatever environment you're in. I think it's an effective application of the ideas that we're looking for and we're hoping to start It's not going to be only the beginning. It's going to continue, continue on for years to come, I hope. And hopefully, again, next year the pandemic will be over and we'll be actually able to meet in person and have more hands-on activities with actual students so we can model this a little bit more. Uh, This year is just going to be the first Stamina and hopeful for many, many, many more.
0: So, we're hoping that this will be kickstarting something fantastic in the region. We've assembled a fabulous, fabulous lineup of speakers. We have speakers from all the way in Habaron, in Botswana to France. We have speakers from Pakistan, the United States, from the United Kingdom, from Kuwait, from Jordan, from Bahrain. So we have, of course, from the United Arab Emirates. I don't think we've got from Egypt. I don't think we've done justice. If you want to learn more, definitely head over to stemmina.com and check out the schedule. Oh, Finland is in the house. We've got lots and lots of great presenters. And the idea is to bring the the how to the table. We have to look at how we are making STEM accessible and the teaching and learning of STEM accessible to the students through the teachers. So what we want to do as well with this is to also make sure that every attendee walks away with a STEM booklet. So this booklet will contain activities that you can go ahead and implement straight away in your classroom. So not only will you have the slides from the presenters from the day, this nice downloadable resource will also contain STEM activities that can be utilized straight away in the classroom. What about the idea, right, of a STEM guild? So we had talked about that, you and I, quite a bit in our private conversations, but I want to throw it out there to our listeners. What ideas were you having around a STEM guild in this MENA region?
1: The idea, again, is to start with this event where we will be able to meet a large number of teachers and educators of thought-provoking, you know, keynote speakers, and continue the conversation throughout the year in a community that we would build that would focus on bringing the best of STEM education, whether it's STEM, STREAM, STEAM, whatever you may call it, and depending on what you're doing, what you're in your school, bring that conversation to continue and encourage communication between teachers. Teachers learn from other teachers. Students learn from other students. So bringing in the ideas from Finland into your classroom, if that works for that one particular concept, or one particular class, or bringing ideas from Botswana, because they are all innovators, all teachers are highly innovators. So imagine what would happen if we were able to have that conversation in a STEM guild, where we would all be able to communicate our ideas, share ideas, and find what works for you. You'll have those options in front of you, and you may try something, and you may say, you know what, I tried it in my classroom. It didn't work this way, but I think if I were to modify it this way, it'll work for my classroom, and then teaching other teachers. So we create a community of teachers who support each other and allow for learning to happen at a much higher and deeper level than ever before.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And I think it's definitely the start of something fantastic. So let me tell you guys a little bit more about how the event will run. So on the 16th and 17th, the event will run from 3 p.m. Dubai time, that's GMT plus four, until 7 p.m. And what we're going to be doing during that time is we'll have a nice array of on-demand sessions. We'll have live keynote to start the days and we'll also have live panel discussions on both days that will get us all involved in discussing how STEM learning and teaching should be done in our schools. And then what's fantastic is the entire event is being done via the Hoover app. So once you sign up and you register for the event, then you are invited into the app. And in the app, you can start discussions. You can connect one-on-one with other educators from around the world. You can check out our sponsors and our exhibitors. You can see the STEM resources that they have to offer. And then what's fantastic is that you can have meetings face-to-face, well, face-to-face as in video meetings with other delegates up to 30. So let's say you're not a speaker, but you are one of our registered delegates and you have a strategy or you have something to share. You can do a meeting. Of course, it's moderated, but you can invite As up to 30 people to join you and you can have a discussion so it's not being controlled just by us as the event organizers you have an input you have a chance to actually get together with like-minded people from around the globe via the app and to share your thoughts and to learn so it's a fabulous opportunity we're gathering stem people together and that can't be anything but fun right
1: Absolutely. And I'm sure we're going to come up with some incredibly innovative new ways to teach content and to go beyond that curriculum and create these incredible new students, these new innovators, this new generation that we absolutely need. As you know, we've been through a year of pandemic. And can you imagine how many students are going to be wanting to be in that field so that yeah. they can help their own communities? So facilitating that so that anyone, no matter what their background is, in a very inclusive, equitable, and um, taking into consideration diversity. So really doesn't matter where you come from, What are your abilities? Giving them a chance to be part of that STEM movement, whatever you might end up being, whether you end up being a rocket scientist or you end up working in your own business, whatever it might be, STEM is going to be involved anyways in it. The technologies are going to be necessary. So we want to make sure everybody has a chance to be whatever they want to be and they can maximize their potential. And we don't want math, science, technology, or engineering to be any kind of impediment to your success.
0: Yeah, fabulous. And one of the bonus that I didn't mention, and I think I've saved the best for last, is that every single piece of content that will be shared at the STEMMENA conference will be available for a year after the event ends. So the app will remain live for a year. So if you ever want to refresh... If you want to connect with someone after you've tried something in your classroom and you want them to know how it went, the app will remain at your disposal for a year because we want to create community and we want the learning to be continued for longer than just a two-day event. So that's the greatest part of this whole thing.
1: And my actual hope is that next year you can come back to us and have a session showing what you've learned, how you applied it, and what worked. and teach others. So that's what my hope is, at least.
0: (laughs) Right. I think so, too. So I want to thank Suzanne for coming on the Teach Middle East podcast and talking all things STEM. It was fabulous. Thank you, Suzanne.
1: Thank you so much, Lisa. I look forward to our meeting with all of you very soon.
0: Brilliant. Thank you for listening to the Teach Middle East podcast. Visit our website, teachmiddleeast.com, and follow us on social media. The links are in the show notes.